Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So this month, we're talking about acceptance as part of the light leader theme of 2021. And acceptance, that, that the definition of that is an act of taking or receiving something offered. The act of assenting or believing. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Taking or receiving something that's offered and or the act of assenting or believing. And I chose acceptance for this month because it is, that is how you have to show up when you're on a spiritual journey. It's actually kind of a thin line in between the ego and the spirit to find that place of acceptance, of being willing to receive what's being offered to you. And if any of you have been doing any of your own inner work and listening to your own intuition, I know you know that sometimes when you're listening to intuition, when you're listening to that small voice within you, stuff shows up and you're like, huh, why are you telling me this? That happened to me last year when in meditation, I heard very clearly that my mission this lifetime is to activate the light, is to activate light leaders, hence the whole theme this year. And I thought, are you nuts? Why would anybody want to do that? And yet that's what I've been doing. I had to accept it was being offered to me and I had to accept it. I, I had to be open to receive that and then receive more information, more intuitive knowledge, if you will, and believe it. And so I think you're going to find that some of the people that are in this month's podcasts are all about accepting and believing and living their life from that place of source inspired life, right? Where there's more joy and more happiness and more opulence, more exquisite expansion than just living a mundane life trying to get by. So acceptance. Ask yourself this month, am I ready? Can I accept what's being offered to me? And sometimes it's not always the most nice thing, right? But can I accept what's being offered? Can I give my assent? Can I believe that it is okay for me to receive this? Receiving more love, receiving a pay raise, receiving a brand new job that's going to make you happier than anything else. Receiving a new partner who is the love of your life. Why not? Acceptance. Think about it. And here's our show for today. So today I have an amazing guest who has been doing some very, very interesting work with the help of his son. And uh, he is an author. And well, I'm just going to say, I'm, I want to welcome Matthew McKay. Thanks for joining me today. I'm glad to be with you. 
Okay, I didn't even think to ask, do you want me to call you Dr. McKay? Matt is fine. Okay, Matt. So the book is called, uh, I'm just gonna show you if you're watching this, The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife. And um, so Matthew, if you wouldn't mind just explaining a little bit to people before we dive into the actual meat of this particular book, how, what, what prompted you to write this book? Well, the book is uh, a product of channel communication from my son who, who's on the other side. 13 years ago, he was on his way home from work and riding his bike and some men accosted him probably to try to get the bike. There was a tremendous fight, the battle. He broke away. One of them shot him in the back and he died on the street. And as I imagine most parents who've lost a child could um, imagine and, and understand the, the deepest need I had was to know whether his soul still exists and uh, is he okay where he is. So I, I set out to search for him and I went through lots and lots of different processes and I consulted mediums. I, uh, I went to see Alan Botkin who developed something called induced after death communication. Huh. Uh, that is a very powerful technique based on EMDR. I move into sense. Oh yes. I've heard of that. And uh, I did have the experience uh, about nine months after Jordan's death of hearing his voice very clearly telling me things that I really needed to know. And as is often the case with induced after death communication, I felt this great relief and, and a really a lightening of the grief. But I still wanted to have a conversation with Jordan. I wanted to ask questions and hear from him about his experience and what it's like where he is. And, um, I wanted, you know, in the same way that we used to sit in the kitchen and talk about things, I wanted to really, I knew he existed. He said, he told me he was okay, but I wanted to really talk to him. So I uh, consulted uh, the, the late um, Ralph Metzner, who mm -hmm. was a specialist in after death communication. He taught mm -hmm. me how to do channel writing, which I will, I will say to your audience that anyone can learn how to do. Um, he taught me some basic steps to the process. I went home that night and I had my first channel communication, my first channeled conversation with Jordan. And uh, that was the beginning of this extraordinary experience of having this very deep, deep relationship with him that continues in love, but not just the love continues, but our actual working together continues. We have a project, we have projects together. We, um, we engage in, and we set goals and, and move toward them. And a, a number of years ago, he said to me that he felt like he, he wanted to do a book uh, with my help that would reach people who are afraid of death and who would help people with, which is almost ubiquitous fear in, uh, among humans, the fear of dying, transitioning. Uh, and also he wanted to have part of that book is to really explain uh, what the afterlife is like, what, what, what to expect, uh, that it's nothing to be afraid of. 
Um, it's something to look forward to actually. Uh, and also that there are ways here on earth we can prepare for that afterlife. Oh, I, hey, that's exciting to me. So that was that in, in, the, in the space of about five minutes, he outlined the whole book. And then over a, a year and a half or so, we worked through it. I'm basically the scribe. He's telling me uh, truths and things, uh, understandings that I could never have. Uh, but I'm dutifully writing them down. And, and those are the things that uh, are in the luminous landscape, the afterlife. So it's interesting. I have a couple of questions for you, Matthew. Um, but first, I just want uh, to affirm that as I was uh, perusing this book, a lot of the information that you and Jordan have uh, put forward, to me, uh, A, makes perfect sense, and B, affirms uh, reincarnation. And and the reason why I wanted to bring that up at the top of the show is because I often talk about that. And there's lots of um, belief systems um, out there that are very afraid of saying that perhaps we do have other lifetimes besides this one. Um, why, they, why they're afraid of saying that, I'm, I'm not really sure. But to me, it gives me hope that um, as I'm learning and growing in this particular lifetime, I know that there will be an opportunity for more growth. And I'm also culminating or, or completing growth that started centuries, eons ago, because our soul is eternal. And that's basically what you guys are talking about in this book. That's so exactly right. You know, and one of the things that Jordan says a lot is that we have to get clear the purpose of coming to earth. Why, why do we come here to begin with? Uh, and, and once we understand that it really, um, reincarnation makes a lot of sense. Purpose of we the reason we come to earth is to learn, to evolve and to grow as souls. And then to take all of what we've learned as individual souls. And we give that to all, to, collective consciousness, God, source, whatever we want. So everything we learn actually helps God evolve. Huh. And we, we, we have a sacred mission. We come here to learn how to love in the face of pain. We come to a physical world to, to experience difficulty and struggle. And, and instead of this pain being something wrong with us or something to feel bad about, the pain is an opportunity to learn. And every opportunity to learn is something that deepens our, our awareness, our wisdom, our, uh, and, and helps us evolve and grow. So that's why we come here. And so the purpose of life is not to prove worthy of going to heaven or to, uh, you know, be saved and, uh, uh, or, or, or conversely to have failed and, and go to hell and be damned. So we're not here to be judged. We're not here uh, to earn a place in the afterlife. Uh, we are here to just to learn, to grow and evolve so that God can grow and evolve. And so this, this, and this again makes so much sense to me. And I've talked about this on my show because I really um, have the belief system that we the individuals that are currently on planet earth have incarnated from a much larger, unexplainable, unnameable, and some people like to call it God 
thing as sparks. And so we're all unique individual sparks that move from that oneness into an individuated compactness, you know, of matter. So we can learn and grow in love. This is the, the that's the key component that most uh, <clears throat> current, um, I'm going to say it, Matthew, uh, Christian and Judaic religions forget about is that it's about growing in love and not for, like you said, no judgment, no damnation, no hellfire and brimstone. That's not, that's a man-made concept. Someone created hmm, uh, <laughs> many years ago, centuries ago, in order to, this is my opinion, in order to uh, control the masses. And in reality, what you're saying, and Jordan is, is, is explaining in your book, The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife, is that it is so much more beyond what human beings have been experiencing on the planet. So, uh, could I just interject that? Yeah. We need lots of lifetimes to do this learning. It is, think how unfair it is if we have one lifetime and we kind of mess it up. You know, we, 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 we struggle with addiction or we uh, have, um, you know, we, we hurt others in, in ways that uh, are profound and difficult. And, and so we learn a lot from those experiences and it's not good or bad, those experiences. The, those are things that we learn from and we take into the next life. And each life we have a lesson plan and whatever was, was not learned in the last life, the lessons that were not completed, uh, will move over into the, into the succeeding life and we continue to work on those lessons. And we need a lot of lives, hundreds, hundreds of lives uh, to, to lear learn and evolve and grow in ways that of course, then we take uh, back to be uh, shared with all. So it, it really is, and, you know, because so how unfair would it be if you, if you, you know, had one life and it was kind of messed up and that's it. And, um, and, and, you, or, or think of all the people that are in bodies that uh, are, are def defective in some way, a body that doesn't work very well, uh, this, 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 this tremendous illness or, or, or that we're basic, that people are just basically helpless because, you know, their, their body or mind doesn't work very well. Uh, how unfair would that be? But yet that life could have a lot of learning, a, a yeah. tremendous amount of growth could be achieved in that life and carried on into the next life. So, so yes, incarnation is, reincarnation is an extraordinarily important part of the plan for each of our souls. For human growth and not just, it, but, but soul growth. Okay. And then, uh, so I got 500 questions right now with just what you said, Matthew. So, um, because I get a lot of questions from people of why would God allow, you brought up uh, people being born defective, you know, with illnesses or uh, physical disablement or whatever. And, and I have people come to me and say, why would God allow that? You know, and this is the, this is the old, uh, biblical idea of God, right? A man that's telling everybody what to do. And, and so what you're, so, so why is that, Matthew? We are, are we at choice when we come into our life? We have some choice. Jordan says that 
we're often uh, frequently given, you know, three or four choices of, uh, of different bodies, different, you know, families, different environments um, in which we have an opportunity to, to learn. And, um, and souls often choose lives that are very challenging because souls are very driven to learn and grow. This is, this is the most important thing. This is our mission. We, we exist to learn and evolve. And so, of course, if, if that's our mission, then we're often drawn to lives and bodies and circumstances, families, uh, where a lot of challenges exist. They could be physical challenges, could be psychological, emotional challenges. They could be environmental challenges. We're born into an era of great conflict and war and stroke. But souls actually, to some extent, make certain choices. And they have a, a range of choices from you know, fairly difficult and challenging lives to less so. Uh, lives that they'll learn a lot or lives that they may learn but not not in quite the same way if they had the larger and more uh, intense challenges. So that's why we come here and we actually choose some of these very difficult lives because they offer us great learning. So if I could um, just, uh, and I hope this isn't painful, but in, uh, so like in Jordan's case, right? And he, he died at a very young age. He died a, 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 a kind of violent death and and so then people would want to say, well, was that his choice? And did the people, the perpetrators that caused the, the death of, of your son, Jordan, were they also at choice to say, yeah, I'll go, I'll go help the soul do that, learn that? Well, the man who shot Jordan, Jordan says they had karmic issues from a, a previous life and okay. that, got, that got played out in, in this particular life. Jordan was very clear that he expected to have a short life mm. and that the, that the work that he needed to do in this life, he, he was able to do. He, he did what he, what, he was, what he came here to accomplish. There were certain things he came to learn. Some of what he was coming here to do was to heal from a previous life, which had been pretty hard. Um, and so, but, but what he and, he, and he was working on willpower here. He came here to really, really work on uh, strengthening willpower, which he would need, and, he, and he's now in another life, he's already incarnated in another life, and, and this other life, he was going to need intense willpower in order to do some of the things that were uh, set up for him to do. So yes, there's a, there's a big plan here. Each, each of our lives, is, uh, are, there's, th these lessons are planned out. Of course, we have free will, and all of these uh, challenges and circumstances that we face we have choices about how we face them and how, how do we respond to that? And we learn from all those choices. Uh, whether, whether we make good choices or bad choices, we learn from them and take those lessons with us uh, into the afterlife. So it's, it, it's a very, I, I, I think of it as a sacred process, coming here to face all of these challenges and, and frankly, all of this pain. This is a very difficult planet. Uh, my understanding is that as in general incarnating souls, regard Earth as a pretty difficult place to go. And there, there are other planets and environments that are much less challenging. I, I would um, agree with all those souls, man. It's a tough place. And, yeah. um, and the souls that come here are, they know they're in for something. Uh, and, 
and they expect to be challenged. And, and, and as they're challenged, they also expect and in fact learn an awful lot in each lifetime. Mm -hmm. So does there ever become a culmination of all the lifetimes and then you don't have to come to planet earth and do the hard stuff? Well, my understanding is that souls reach a certain point and each individual soul reaches a certain point where they're, they're sort of saturated with the experience of incarnating. They, mm -hmm. they no longer want to incarnate. They no longer want to go back uh, to face the rigors of a, of a physical world. Uh, and also they're, they're moving on from the lessons that are learned in, in a physical world to lessons that are primarily uh, available to them uh, in the spirit world. Uh, uh -huh. So for example, uh, most souls uh, at some point begin to develop spiritual careers, meaning uh, they, they're, they're learning to be healers, learning to be guides, teachers, creators. Um, and, and so there are a myriad of spiritual careers. Uh, there are many kinds of guides, for example. Um, there are guides that primarily help souls in the afterlife. There are guides that primarily help, help souls with, with the transition between life and the, and the spirit world. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there are guides that are primarily engaged in healing process. I mean, there's all kinds of spiritual careers. So, so we move from the, the incarnational process and these cycles of, of, of going in and out of a physical world into a period where we are learning primarily uh, to deepen our knowledge of our spiritual career and our spiritual career skills. And this is all done on the unseen side, on, on where, where everybody passes into. A lot of souls are starting to work on their spiritual career in between lives, but at a certain point, they, they stop incarnating and, and now their, their primary focus is their spiritual career and the learning that supports that spiritual career. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds interesting to me. I can't wait to do that part. You may already <laughs> be doing it between lives. I have a feeling. Um, so, so let's talk about um, when Jordan arrived on the other side, right? And there was, there was a small, he called it the landing place or something like that. And, and that was a, a place where these, these spiritual guides, career guides, career guides probably came to help him acclimate to an awareness that he was now no longer in body. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the landing place is a really important, uh, it's an ante room to the, uh, to the spirit world. It's, it's not purgatory. It's not purgatory. It's just adjacent to the spirit world. And it's where we go to get used to not being embodied. And, uh, pro we're provided an environment that's created. It's not a physical environment. It's created with, with energy forms that is soothing. The problem is that all communication in the spirit world is through the medium of love. In the same way we communicate through air and by making molecules of air vibrate, uh, we communicate through love in the spirit world. That is the medium of all communication. So souls that arrive in the spirit world, uh, full of intense emotions from their immediate death or from or, or residuals from a, a very difficult life, anger, uh, shame, hurt, uh, uh, fear. Uh, 
those emotions have to be processed before they move into the spirit world proper. And then, so in the landing place, a lot of that has to be sorted out. Um, the other thing is there are certain, if, if you arrive in the landing place with certain intense emotions uh, and you don't feel much love, you're not in touch with love, you're not, you're, you don't have much love inside of you, you're deaf. And Jordan says this, DOA, you're deaf on arrival in the spirit world. And so you actually have to stay for a while in, in the areas adjacent to the spirit world called bardos where more healing is done. Uh, so that you can finally enter the spirit world uh, healed from some of this painful energy, these intense emotions. Um, so so the, 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 the landing place is initially, uh, there are souls that may spend a very short time there before they move into the spirit world. And Jordan, in fact, didn't spend a whole long time in the landing place. But one of the problems with the landing place is Whatever is in your mind, you hallucinate and, and you can see whatever is there. So if you expect the devil and fire and brimstone, oftentimes you're going to literally hallucinate that and, and scare the heck out of yourself. Uh, <laughs> and, and Jordan uh, was, was whatever he was thinking about, that's what he saw. If he thought about his, his apartment and he would see his apartment. If he thought about um, a, a particular place on earth, he would, there, he would see that place. Um, he started trying to calm himself by imagining Yosemite Valley, which he loves a lot. Uh, but then he, then somehow the idea of an elephant entered his mind. Now he saw an elephant tromping around Yosemite Valley. Then, then he had this idea about, you know, maybe, you know, some kind of Gonzala type, Godzilla type monster. And he saw them. And so whatever entered his mind, he literally would create energy forms and visualize or hallucinate those things. And this is what happens to people. So one of the ways we have to prepare for getting into the landing place is to be able to listen to love, expect love, bring love with you, bring love in your heart, expect to see loved ones, um, and and be and be ready to hear and communicate via the medium of love. So, uh, the, so the people, so so I'm just curious because if if people have had several incarnations where that love factor hasn't really anchored in because I, I, I kind of feel there are some people that keep incarnating and they still haven't gotten a clue that really love is, is love is the answer, but love is, is the medium. It is the energy system that even if we're in body or not, what happens they to have, them? They may have to stay for a while in, in the landing place or in adjacent areas, like the, there's a healing area where souls are, uh, are actually appearing to sleep and meanwhile guys are injecting uh, dreams and positive energy into them to help remodel some of the damaged soul energy that uh, that they've been carrying that they've been carrying from their last life in some yeah. cases they go to bardos where they live out um, elaborate plots and, and and narratives that help them slowly get ready to enter the spirit world so there so, so there's sometimes there's a lot of work to do to get them uh, to the point where they can kind of experience love the other thing is our, our memory of our, uh, our um, life between lives, our, our, our soul memory returns to us gradually. It's not like you, you die, you get to the landing place and you remember all your past lives and everything is clear to you. Uh, and all, all the lessons of, of, of your life in your life on earth, your life between lives, all that is suddenly there. No, it, it actually is slowly kind of uh, drops into place. It's sort of like an amnesiac slowly recovering your memory. Um, and so in the landing place, 
that's often happening. And it may even continue for a while once we get into the spirit world. Uh, and so again, there's a lot of, there, there are moments in the, in, the, in the landing place where we are confused, where we don't remember, uh, we don't know where we are. And um, it takes a while to get oriented enough to finally you know, move into the spirit world proper. Okay, so Matthew, then I have, my next question is, is the landing place where you begin to do a life review of, okay, I, I set these goals, I hit those goals, I missed that goal. Does that happen when you get to the spirit world? No, it, it, that, the life review actually starts when you get into the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because near-death experience folks often do report some, some measure of life review uh, before they're kind of snatched back into their body. And um, the life review, though, actually happens after you've moved into spirit world proper. You've, you've left the landing place. Uh, you are now ready to, to be part of, of the spiritual community. The, the life review is this, uh, to me, it's fascinating because um, it, it's, it's an experience in which you, you remember, of course, everything that happened in your life, but mostly you're looking at it in terms of decisions, your, your behavior, things you did or didn't do. But you're not only experiencing it as, as a memory, but you're experiencing it as everyone around you experienced it, how they were affected emotionally, oh. uh, how, how, how it impacted them, not only at the moment that you made that choice, or engaged in that action, but into the future as well. So as you're doing your life review, you're experiencing the impact on everyone around you uh, as as you did whatever you did and how that impact plays out over time for those individuals. For example, let's say a father slaps his son and he, in life review, he would actually experience that slap uh, emotionally as his son experienced it. He, he would experience the, the sharp uh, rejection uh, mm-hmm. of that slap. Mm-hmm. But he would also experience it as how that slap reverberated in the future of the son's life, how, how that slap made him changed how he felt about himself over time. And his, his pain and sense of defectiveness that something was wrong with him, that his dad conveyed yeah. him with that slap. So, yeah. so, he, so the experience is, is that moment from the other person's point of view, but also over time, how that played out for them. I think that's amazing. It's kind of, um, again, if we could, if we could feel that here while we're still in our body, it would shift a lot of how we react and interact with each other because we would get, you know, that's the whole, I, I mean, to me, it's the whole thing about being the observer that everybody's talking about. And the, the thing about the um, detached compassion, right? You get to zoom out and watch what your action is multiplying down the line. And if we could do that now, wow. I mean, it would just change the whole humanity and all the mishigosh that's going on right now, I think. It's true. We do have some natural compassion for, uh, capacity for empathy and compassion. But what happens is people who are very self-focused, uh, they only care about their, you know, getting their own needs met, uh, providing for themselves in some way. They're not, and they're not very connected to others. They actually mute that. They mute that awareness of other people's pain. They mute compassion. They mute uh, empathy. 
so that they can uh, act without awareness of the pain they cause. So we actually, you know, see that. I mean, and that's a choice that people make. Okay, God. Oh, good God. If anybody's listening to this podcast and you are choosing to mute that so you can continue to just get what you want, please, please, please take a moment and reflect on what your action creates. Because Matthew just hit one of my personal triggers. So, ah, wow. Okay. Getting off my soapbox. So... (laughs) So then once you get to this, the thing that I was, I found interesting, hold on, if I, I want to see if I can just pull this out uh, of the book. Um, Because in the book you talk about there's time and uh, the elasticity of time, the matrix of cause and effect. But um, let me just see if it's right here. Okay. This is about consciousness. Uh, And you, and, you and Jordan said, consciousness is energy and thought, a directed form of consciousness is energy. Consciousness through directed thought turns energy into material dimensions with unique laws and forms. Consciousness creates these these material dimensions, universes to play with and learn from. And we small fragments of collective consciousness are learning machines that enter the universe to discover everything it has to teach us. That right there, that I could chew on for an entire day because uh, we are all energy, we are all consciousness. And and again, I just have to go back to, if you're muting your consciousness, get off of it, unmute. Um, Because you know, the whole big thing now in trans self-transformation is about your thoughts, create your reality and all of that. It's true. So when you're in, in the spirit world, are you, you're, you're still like you were talking about hallucinating in the landing place. When you're in the spirit world, are you still co-creating? Yeah, you can. And a lot of, uh, for example, Jordan and his uh, soul group, they, have co-created a kind of an uh, old um, Victorian style farmhouse mm-hmm. and, and, and they've created that out of energy. It doesn't exist in a material sense, but you know, they have co- collectively as a group uh, embellished on this, uh, on this, on this house and uh, because it's pleasing to them. And they've had many environments that they've created over many, many uh eons uh and and so they create an environment that's comforting to them or or feels pleasant uh and it exists in the sense that it is a field of energy but it doesn't exist in the sense that you know knocking on this wall back here exists although frankly the wall is just energy right and um and all of what jordan says and what you were reading is that all of of material existence and and all the energy and the matter in the universe is a product of thought it's a product of the thought of all of of collective consciousness or god or what however we want to label it and um and that and this is just one of many universes that that uh, collective consciousness is created and it and it'll and 
when it's learned everything it can from this one, it'll create another one that's more uh, evolved still. And that's the other point is that, you know, the Christian idea of God is that God is perfect and God is all powerful. Actually, collective consciousness is not perfect. It will never be perfect. It's going to continue to grow and evolve just like we're continuing to eternally grow and evolve. Uh, and one of the ways that it evolves is to create universes in which to, in which to learn. And to expand, to explore itself. And explore itself. It's kind of like, this is, this is a, an, an example or, or an analogy Jordan makes. It's like a dad who makes a doll or, or a, a playhouse for his kid. Well, he's too big to get into that playhouse, but his kid can go in there and have this experience inside this playhouse and, and, and learn all kinds of things and have all kinds of experiences and, and fun and um, engagement with that environment that the dad can't fit in. Well, it, it's sort of like that for a collective consciousness. It makes a universe and into that universe goes individual souls mm -hmm. uh, to experience it on a micro level mm -hmm. and, 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 and to learn as much as possible from that universe. So explain to everybody what a soul group is. So Jordan tells me the soul group is made, made up of maybe to eight to 20 souls. And from, from the very beginning of their existence, they've, they've been, they've been put, arranged in a group. Uh, and, and the soul group learns together in the afterlife and in the spirit world, they're learning from guys. And they're like, it, you really do a lot of classroom work. It's like, it's like going to college. You're, you, you, there's a lot of uh, ex direct experiential learning that goes on with the help of guides in, inside the soul group. But the soul group also typically incarnates together. Uh -huh. And they made them incarnate dozens and hundreds of times together into different eras of history, uh, different environments, uh, uh, and uh, you know, obviously, different bodies, different families, um, but they tend to they tend to incarnate in the same geographical area and in general time frame because the plan is that they will all be interacting with each other in some way and learning from each other. So it's like a little repertory company, a theater company that keeps going back for another play and another play and another play. But in in each play, they have different relationships. One in, in uh, one pair maybe husband and wife, uh, Jordan and I were, he, he, he was female and I, we were husband and wife in another life. They, they may be a teacher pupil. And in, in another life, Jordan was an old rabbi and I was a young rabbi in a yeshiva that, um, and I was learning from him. And uh, they may be adversaries in certain lives, um, uh, brother and sister, uh, uh, brief lovers. I mean, so, so in our soul group, each incarnation, we're, we're going to have very different relationships. And sometimes we repeat those relationships. Souls will you know, be lovers over in multiple lives. Um, but, but still, each life is offering different challenges. And, and, the, and the soul group comes together in a new play to experience each other and learn in, in new ways. Okay. Uh... I, I so appreciate that explanation. Um, I have a couple questions, Matthew. So, so Jordan passed on and you're still here, but you're part of the same soul group. Yeah, we're in a, we're, we're adjacent. Uh, my, my guess, my understanding is 
you know, like you could think of soul groups as like living in houses. And mm. so we're probably next door in the next door soul group. Um, and, and, and then of course, uh, you know, the, the universe of, of, uh, of spirit is, is vast and there are countless souls, uh, that make it up and, and they incarnate to many different planets. So, um, so we, you know, we don't, we obviously don't know everybody. We know our soul group very well. Some of the adjacent soul groups will be incarnating with, with members of those adjacent groups. Sometimes we, we come to earth and form deep, deep relationships with souls that are soul groups that are nowhere near us. And, and so when we get in the afterlife, we actually go and visit those souls and have connections with them as well. And so we, we build that. It's sort of like having a dear friend you grew up with and they, and, and they moved to Japan, you know, right. well, you still, you still love them and you still care for them. And periodically you, you take a trip over to Japan to see them. And, and it's kind of like that. So we come to earth and sometimes we form these deep, deep relationships with, with souls who are not at all adjacent to us uh, and who we continue to love forever. Okay. What about the people that we don't want to continue to love forever? It turns out that's not a choice. Oh crap. Yeah. It turns out, you know, cause we have, we can incarnate. I have somebody in my soul group who right now in this life is a real thorn in my side. Uh, and, but you know, the truth is, and I'm going to, you know, at, at some point go back to the soul group, he'll be there. Uh, we will love each other. Uh, we've, we've had this life and we've lived this experience and, and we will learn from it. I, I'm making a face, Matthew, because, oh, if I never there's, see my ex. There's a few people you'd like to be rid of. You'd like to be totally rid of. I have actually invoked it. I said, that's it. Never again, because we've been around the merry-go-round of lives several times, you know? So I, 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 I think I'm going to be in that landing place for a while. Well, I have several ex-lovers in my soul group. Uh, and so it, it, you know, once you've, once you've connected to someone, once you've loved them at all, ever, that's, that lasts forever. That, Even if they're uh, a narcissist? Well, it, of course, that's their personality here. Oh, oh, uh, cut the cord. Cut, 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 that's cut. Their, see, we're confusing the personality of, of, that we get when we go into a body with, with our soul essence. And, and they're not, they're not quite the same things, you know, a certain amount, you know, souls have personalities too, but a certain amount of that personality does kind of show up in how they manifest in a physical world. But a lot of how we manifest is really because of the body we're in and it's in its nervous system and its limbic system and oh, how really? emotional it is. And, uh, and the other thing that happens is oh, just uh, while we're talking about this, so, so relatively younger souls who've not been incarnating much, they get into these bodies and they're and the body starts running the show. You know, the body's full of desires and uh, very, very self-focused, and they're and, and the body's demanding all this stuff. So the body's having emotional reactions, and and the soul is not very good at managing that because uh -huh. these bodies that we live in are very reactive. Yes. And and so young souls who are early in their incarnational careers oftentimes get into the body, and and the body just runs the show, and and that whole life is. Is, is just experiencing being out of control. And, and so, of course, we meet these souls and we come in contact with them and they do painful things and they, we don't like it. But when we get into the afterlife, all that sort of, it's not forgotten, but it's just seen in context. 
oh, that was just what happened in that life. That's not that soul. That's not who the soul is. That was a soul wrestling with a body that was uh, full of emotions and, and impulses and desires. Oh dear, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in big trouble, Matthew, when I cross over. Holy moly. Oh. <laughs> so, so let's go. I want to speak a bit about the concept of a young soul versus an old soul. Cause you know, uh, in, in my line of work, a lot of people like to say I'm an old soul and I'm like, mm, yeah, except that the fact that you have to say that kind of says to me that you kind of aren't. So where do old, new souls, like, is there, this is, I, I, I don't mean to be irreverent, Matthew, but if there is only one big, huge consciousness, collective consciousness, and we're continually incarnating until we decide we're, we're just going to move on into a spiritual career, where do the new souls come from? They're being created all the time. In this, in this particular universe, or are they coming from other universes and dropping and going, okay, now I'm going to do planet Earth for a while? Kind of like going to the different uh, lands at Disneyland. Well, t souls tend to incarnate in, in the planet they started in. In other words, okay. uh, there are a lot of planets and environments, and so some of them are not even physical environments. Some of them are just dimensional experiences where souls incarnate and, and they go to learn. Um, now, souls tend to stay in the same planet because they're used to that environment. It's, it's, it's familiar to them. And, uh, and they want to go back to what's familiar. Uh -huh. uh, they've learned a lot about that planet. They learned a lot about the, those particular creatures, those bodies that they incarnate in. And, 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 and they, they want to take that knowledge into, into the next life. Um, but, but their souls are being created all the time. I mean, think of this, you know, you know, how, how many souls do we have on this earth now? Seven billion or something? I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm not keeping up with the- Well, with quite the, a few left last but, year, but- Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot, and think of it, you know, we, we started with a, a few bands of, uh, of, of in, so, souls were incarnating in a few bands of, of, of uh, communities in Africa. And from that, we have seven billion. And, and in planets all over the place, you know, there's increasing populations and souls are being created to, um, to, 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 um, uh, to enter various bodies in various planets where they are going to be learning. So that souls are being created all the time. And so a lot of the souls that come to earth are very young. They've only had a few incarnations. They are, they're just starting out. Um, and so they're, they're still trying to manage and figure out how to, how to handle this very wayward body that we, we work with and we have to live inside of. Uh, and these difficult communities that are full of struggle and sometimes violence and, uh, and selfishness. I mean, we're really having to navigate a lot here. Uh, okay. And so young souls are really challenged by this. It's really tough. Uh, and older souls have more experience and, and more wisdom and, and they take some of that with them in, when they incarnate. They, they, we still forget what the in all our past lives we come here with uh you know amnesia but 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 we do have some residual wisdom and knowledge that we do take with us from these past lives and so as we as we grow in knowledge and we have many incarnations we actually tend to make better decisions and have lives that work better 
I, I would agree with you on that. I would totally agree with you on that. And it feels like uh, for me and uh, the people I hang with is, and we, I'm having this conversation all the time on my podcast with other guests, that the people that are incarnated now, the, those of us that have been around the block a few times, we're called to, we were called to be here now to support the, the newbies, if you will, uh, to lift up so that humanity can progress in, in a more loving and kind way, yes, even my, though we're not necessarily soul. seeing that right now. My, a lot of souls have parachuted in, a lot of advanced souls have parachuted in this particular era because we're in a crisis and Huge. they are busy trying to turn this around. It's uh, a lot of work. It, it, it's a, it's, and what's frustrating Oh, now I'm just going to talk about me. But um, what's frustrating is watch. That's why I got upset about the people that are muting their compassion and their awareness, because those those of us, I would, I, I, you included, Jordan was, that came in to help elevate awareness. It, it just it makes it even more challenging because the newbies are not, you know, I mean, our, our particular country right now is like, Oh boy. Well, and the new, the newbies tend to be stuck in old memes like tribalism. Uh, and, and we, and we see that playing out uh, a lot. This is strong surge of tribalism, but we are moving into another age. We're moving into an age of oneness. Now, remember that, one of the things that's true is that we we simultaneously are part of all yes. and are individual and separate. And, and that's a very weird paradox to, to be at, at, at once part of all and to be separate. And one of the things we're, we, we are learning is to be able to recognize even on earth that we're part of all and, 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 this, and this connection to all. And, and some of the newer souls have a hard time with that. Uh, and and, it and and are just kind of stuck in tribalism and and, and selfishness, uh, but but souls who've uh, been around, who've had multiple lives, who've grown a little bit and evolved a little bit, are often able to feel that that deep sense of connection. And it's really the the source and basis of spirituality is just sensing and feeling that connection. Yes, I totally agree. And when and when you are sensing and feeling that connection. There is a, a feeling of um, expansion, open-heartedness, um, open awareness. You become even more, you know, it's almost like there's a, th a 360 viewpoint, even though you're in this little human body. Yeah, and, and there's a, a, a sense of trust because we, we're actually attuned to love. You know, and the, because really being attuned to all and, being, and feeling that deep connection to all is really just being aware of love. And, and love is the gravity that holds everything together. It's the force that holds everything together. And just feeling and noticing and, um, and observing that uh, is, is really important. And, we, and as souls mature, we grow in awareness of that. And it's easier for us to tap into that, that sense of connection, which is, which, which is draw, drawn from this, this very powerful force of love. Well, I guess one of the things I wanted to just say in relationship to that is that Jordan has some very, I think, 
kind of the core of his message is that um, we're always together, the living and the dead. And that's what I said earlier. You know, anybody you've loved, you're always going to love them. You may <laughs> not know it. You may not feel it now. But but love is eternal. Once once love exists between souls, it will always be so. It will always be there. We can't lose each other. And we, we may reject each other here. We may, you know, uh, fall apart. We may lose each other in, in death or, or disability or disease. And yet the love will is eternal. And so the love between the living and the dead, that connection is always there. Nothing ever can take it away or change it. And that we are always part of the whole. Mm -hmm. Whether we are aware of it or not, we remain always part of the whole, always connected and united in love. Uh, we're always united in love. That, that to me is the kind of the thing that is most, maybe the most reassuring thing that Jordan says. And, and the other thing about death, he, he says, look, he says, he says, trust, you will be received. You will be cared for. Um, you will be loved on the other side. You, that, that absolute, that's absolute truth. And, 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 you know, it may take you a little bit in the landing place to kind of recognize and tune in and listen to love um, and, and remember who you are, uh, but you will. And all around you are people who love you, souls that are entities that love you, who are there to support you. Um, and um, so th those are the things that he's trying to convey that, that, that absolute eternal connectedness between all of us. Once we love, we will always love. So my last question for you, Matthew, then is um, we come here to learn to love. We, we have individual lessons. So, so, you know, Jordan, for example, was working on, on, on willpower and, and actually, you know, increasing his ability uh, to act with intention. And so that, that was an individual lesson plan. And we all are, have things that we're working on. You know, some people, some souls come here working, learning to create boundaries and, and learning to do better self-care. Uh, well, that sounds like me. Yeah, I mean, so we have individual lessons plans, but the overarching um, process and reason we come here is to learn how to love in the face of pain. Because in the, in the spirit world, love is... The, the natural state. There's no obstacles to love. It's, it's, each individual spirit, uh, we, we're transparent to each other. We can see exactly who that other soul is. Uh, we, we see that soul. We know that soul. We accept that soul. We love that soul. And th that's such a beautiful experience in the afterlife where to, to be seen, known, and loved at the same time is just a very profound and, and deep uh, and joyous feeling. Here, we're, we're not very transparent to each other. We're hidden. In fact, we actually actively try to hide ourselves because we're afraid of rejection. And, and so we're careful, we're hidden. Um, and, and love is hard here because, you know, I mean, this is a silly example. So, you know, a parent comes home from a hard day of work when they just had, you know, some sort of crisis. Uh, they're frazzled, they're out of mind. And their, their, their kid needs help with homework uh, or the, the kid is just grumpy and uh, so, so upset about something. And it takes so much work and energy to kind of push past the tiredness, one's own emotional stress 
to say, to, to reach that child and let, let me be there. For, let me love you in the way you need to be loved right now. Let me help you with your homework. Let me hear your, your distress. Let, let me soothe you. I mean, that's just a, a, a silly example. But another example is like, like, like uh, husband and wife and, uh, or partners. And one of them criticizes the other. Yeah. And, and, and the, so, so now the criticized partner feels hurt. It's really hard to love when you're hurt. It's, and, and, and these are just silly little examples of we, there's so much friction here. There's, there's so many obstacles and barriers to love. And there's so much pain that gets in the way of love. And we have to learn to navigate all that. And it's exactly why we're here, because that pain doesn't exist in the afterlife. Thank God. <laughs> thank yeah, God. We need to rest when we get up there. Because exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank God. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Thank God. So, and, uh, and my prayer has been for forever, I think, that, um, that love is the overarching thing. And that as we grow as humanity, we all learn to embody that love, not just give love so I can get something, but really embody it and be it because that's what's, that's, what's going to um, heal the divide. Right. That seems deeply true to me. What you just said, Susan, it seems deeply true to me and it's, it fits exactly with what Jordan tells me that, that yeah. that's what, that's why we're here. We're, we're learning how to get deeper and deeper and deeper into love in the yeah. face of all these obstacles. And I know in my personal experience, the more I love, the more it, it feels like heartbreak. And yet what it is is heart opening into more love and more love and more radiance in, uh, in how I choose to show up. And it's just, it, you know, so many, I have clients that come in there, they've been wounded and hurt and they're afraid to love again. Oh, I don't want another relationship, uh, you know, whatever. But that if that's why we're here is to learn to love and to grow, then you got to take the next risky thing. To learn to love in the face of loss, in the face of impermanence, that yeah. relationships end. Not, not really. They don't really end, but, but they at least end in terms of our experience here. We get rejected. The relationship falls apart. Someone dies. Uh, learning how to love in the face of that loss is, and to, and to hold love in the face of loss is one of the greatest challenges we have. I so, what you're saying makes so much sense to me. Oh, and I so appreciate that you said yes to this life mission, Matthew, and, and that you listened when Jordan was reaching out to you. I really appreciate it. The, so everybody, the book is called The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife by Matthew McKay. And this, <laughs> this should be on your shelf. It should be on your shelf. It, 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 uh, it's a really good primer before you pass away so that you know what to expect and not have fear, but trust. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Is there any, uh, do you have a website that you want to just mention for people to get 
the other books and read more things that Jordan has to say there's www.sinkingjordan.com sinkingjordan.com you can learn see, see more of what he has to say there okay okay thank you so much again Matthew it's been a privilege absolutely and I'm just going to end with and so it is namaste well that wraps up our empowering chat today I hope you enjoyed it and if you did go to susanborrell.com you can See all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanborell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time. <laughs>